Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. You've made it for us to rejoice and be glad in. We honor you, Lord, and we love you. We lift you up. We magnify you. We bless you, and we praise your precious and your holy name. (laughs) Did that go all the way through the thing? Gosh. Sounds like I blew a speaker or something. (laughs) One devil leaving. Let me messing with you. Yeah, it's all right. Hey, whatever. Uh, Father, we thank you and we bless you for deliverance, healing, health, and wholeness and the prophet's reward. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. God is good. Amen. Praise God. Amen. And his mercy endures forever and ever and ever and ever. So it's everlasting. So we serve a great God. And uh, all of the things that we desire, he wants to give us. In fact, he's freely given us everything already. We have his blanket permission for all things that pertain to life and godliness. And so that that should cover everything. Amen. <clears throat> and it does cover everything. So we're going to continue uh, with the prophet's reward. Hopefully those of you who weren't here yesterday had a chance. You You have a chance to... Watch the video and, and, uh, catch up on things. I encourage you to do that. Um, you know, this ain't like skipping high school. You know, <laughs> this is your life. Amen. So God gives this teachings to us so that we can live. And, uh, it's good to, to not want to miss anything. You know, you don't gain anything by missing. And uh, it's good to to take advantage of the helps that we have. It takes a lot of effort to put these things together. And uh, it is a shame sometimes that people in your own ministry and, and assembly don't take advantage of them, you know. And uh, we really, really need to be diligent, faithful with God to help ourselves. You know, this is for you. It's not for anybody else but for you. So it's good to remember that and uh, avail yourself of all the helps that we have. We have an app that you can put on your phone. Um, you know, it takes a lot of energy to maintain these things. And, and um, you know, don't be one of those people that ignores what's in your own backyard. Amen. Just, you know, sometimes we're on the Internet looking for stuff somebody else is doing, and and we ignore what God gives you. He holds you accountable for what's taught here. He didn't hold you accountable for somebody way in another country, you know, even though their stuff may be good. I'm not saying it's not, but is it for you? Amen. Nobody could make biscuits like my mother. Huh? So, you know, you gotta, gotta do that. It, it rings with you. So it's good to do that. So, amen. So we're going to continue talking about the prophet's reward. We talked about how the prophet is received or not received in different, um, <clears throat> times. Um, in general, Israel rejected all of the prophets. You know, the true prophets of God. The day and age that we live in, People are so manipulated by one another. Um, it's easy to find people who tell you things you want to hear. Uh, you know, I remember when people first, God first began to re- re-release prophets in the 
to his people in the body of Christ in a large number uh, back in the late 80s and early 90s uh people would uh say things oh that was a hard word you know well most of the bible is hard if you don't want to obey <laughs> it's all hard <laughs> cuz in your flesh you don't want to do the the will of god you know but it's easy. Your spirit man is so eager to hear whatever God has to say. It's just amazing that people can classify words as hard. Would you want everything easy? Well, anyway. See, y'all take it from them personal trainers. Y'all pay them people to to tell you off and tell you can't ever, you know, no pain, no gain. They quick to flip you around with that kind of stuff. You say, okay, okay, show me what to do. I want to be strong like you. I want to be here. Well, don't come just wishing it, you know, and, and, and doing 10 or 5 pound dumbbells. Huh? I got so bad I had a little dumbbell beside my bed. I wake up in the morning. Oh, yeah, I got to do it. And that was my for the day uh, <laughs> no I was fit for the day but God wants us to grow up you know and uh, quit whining about everything thank God it's not harder than what it is amen you know you get some some times of rest and some times of refreshing in the Lord take advantage of those times you know so hopefully this is one of those times so so um the we said that many prophets were rejected and they weren't being rejected personally people were rejecting God when they would show it because the prophet we shared was God's sovereign servant he belongs exclusively to God he does not belong to the people Amen. And so his obligation is to God and God alone. He ministers to the people. He he helps the people, but he obeys God in what he does. You know, the prophet isn't free to just make something up to make you feel better or, you know, to tell you something that he thinks you you want to hear. His job is to deliver the word of the Lord the way God gives it to him and not to do anything different different with the word of God. And so we saw uh, maybe an example yesterday of um, um, David inquiring of the Lord through Gad the prophet and it caused uh, the prophets and the priests in that family to be killed by King Saul because they had helped David. So the prophet's life wasn't an easy life. I don't know why people want to get on the internet and prophesy to everybody. It's not an easy life. I tell you from experience, you know, uh, somebody started telling people when I first moved to Detroit not to come to my meetings because I didn't have a covering and I was, uh, I wasn't, God didn't tell me to do that because I didn't have this, that, and the other. And unfortunately, two of the people that kept spreading that and forbidding people to come got sick with cancer and passed away. So when God says, do his prophets no harm, he really means that. The person that they were under their authority, uh, some gentleman who claimed to be an apostle or something, got sued and they almost took his church away from him. You understand what I'm saying? And that's not me special. 
that's me in the office trying to obey God and do what he called me to do. So it's best, you know, if you don't understand things and you don't really like people and all that kind of stuff, that's on you. But keep that to yourself. Don't be the one to start spreading stuff like that around. In fact, that both of the women came to me and asked forgiveness. One of them came to the healing school and God healed her, but she went back home to her element and, and eventually passed away. So these things are serious, folks. You can't just step on people that God puts out there and anoints to help people. Because if we stop the people that God has helping people, what's going to happen to people? You know, people don't think about that. You know, if, if there's, if God sent you to do a work and somebody hinders your work or stops you or keeps people from getting there, what's going to happen to their needs? See, we don't look at what the bigger picture of what God's trying to do. And I don't say that to lift people up, but I see too many people in the body of Christ in jeopardy of losing everything because they don't know how to keep their mouth shut. Huh? Discretion will keep you alive, keep you healthy. It'll keep you in so many different ways. But we just can't. I mean, this is see, God's serious about getting work done, folks. You know, there's homeless people on the street. Believers won't touch them. And then a minister goes try to help them. They want to badmouth that person. God can't get anything done like that. But I'm telling you, he's going to get his work done. He's going to quit putting up with nonsense from his kids that need, that should know better. Amen. We've been taught better. And so the prophet then has, is, um, uh, one who has to do what God calls them to do. They can't stop. Amen. Um, you may not like what they do or people used to say, uh, it's not what you say, it's how you said it. Yeah, I said it with the unction of God. That's why I slapped you upside your head. <laughs> I get it just like you do. You think I'm, I get off easy because I'm the servant. Servant gets it first. Amen. A lot of stuff I can't do. I don't even think about doing it. You understand what I'm saying? You just don't think about doing certain things. God took want to away a long time ago. Amen. So if God anoints you is because you, you've somehow managed <laughs> to obey him enough to get that, that conferred upon you. And then you got to continue to live for God so that it remains in your life. You know, you don't want to be a washed out has been, you know, on the, on the scrap heap with the rest of the people that, that didn't do what God said to do and weren't faithful. You want to endure to the end and be successful in the things of God. Comes at a price. Amen. Comes at a price. So anyway, uh, this, uh, David, because, uh, Gad and, and the other, uh, ministers and priests that were with him helped David, Saul had them all killed. Amen. Because they were obeying God. That's all they were doing was obeying God. In 1 Samuel 28, we'll see another situation, King Saul. If you want to see somebody who was anointed with power as a king and messed up as many times, (laughs) messed up more than he did right, Saul is a good example. Amen. Started out cool, but, you know, it's it's keeping up with God and keeping doing the things that he wants you to do. Never veering away. Amen. So in, uh, what did we say? First Samuel 28. And then in verse. Uh, 
verse 3, it says, Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel <clears throat> mourned for him, lamented him, and buried him in Ramah, even in his own city. And Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land, when he was obedient to God. And the Philistines gathered themselves together, and came and pitched at Shunem, and Saul gathered all Israel together, and they pitched in Gilboa. And when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart greatly trembled. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by the Urim, or, of the, or by the prophets. So there's a place where people will get so disobedient, God shuts off all information from them. Amen? That's why they got to go to you to get prayer. Then said Saul to his servants, seek me a woman that has a familiar spirit that I might go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, behold, there is a woman that has a familiar spirit of at Endor. Saul disguised himself, went over there and asked her to call up Samuel to give him a word. Amen. So here you see a person that used to have privilege with God that has lost privilege and how desperate they are to get privilege back again. I'm going to say it again. A person that used to have privilege with God and has lost it and how desperate they are to get privilege back again. How many people do you know used to be able to pray for people used to be faithful to God, their finances flowed, their life flowed right, everything flowed right, and now they're away from God, and they're sending you a text message here and there. How you doing? What you doing? I just thought about you. It's, you know, they're, they're trying to get back into the realm with, that they lost when they thought they wanted to walk away from God. See, a lot of times we confuse people with God. We'll say it again. You know, we confuse people with God. It's easy to do sometimes. We're made in God's image. We're important to one another. We have fellowship with one another. All of the above. And and many of us are anointed by God to do certain things. But you've got to keep that separated. Don't get it twisted up. Don't fall out with me because I say something you don't like and then you want to leave church and, and you forget you left God. Well, that don't mean you ain't the only person that got, well, you know, if that's the way you think, you're very sadly mistaken. It's not about being the only one that's got God. It's about you living up to what God expects from you so you can get what you need from God. Nobody said somebody's the only one. This is a problem with people. They're constantly nitpicking at one another. Instead of going out and doing what God said to do. Most of the church problems could be solved between people if everybody would go out and win a soul. If you'd make it your business to go on your own. You don't have to wait for the church to go out as a group. You can go out on your own and tell somebody about Jesus, invite them to church. All that, that would stop bickering, backbiting, fault finding, all of the above. But the church refuses to go outside the door, so all the interaction is in here. 
and you get on each other's nerves. If you would seek an anointing, you get anointed if you get out there where you can help somebody. Huh? Well, I'm waiting till God anoints me. You don't know if you're anointed or not. <laughs> Go look for somebody that, that needs help from God. <laughs> You'll find it then. Huh? Anointing is, is for use. It's for work. It's for the work of the ministry. It's not for you to just gather it like some kind of trophy. <laughs> when you get there and somebody's in trouble, God will show up. That's called the anointing. Amen. That's how you're taught how to do things. Get right into it. Huh? This isn't not like, this is school of the spirit is not like any other school. You know how sometimes in, in uh, now in nursing school, if you, they teach you how to give injections and you start out sticking an orange. Uh huh? Cause the orange can't slap you if you hurt them. You can't kill that orange, it's already dead. If you make a mistake, you get another chance cause it's just an orange. But see, the kingdom of God didn't like that. See, you start with an orange in nursing school and then you work up to people. See, your instructor has to watch you to make sure you ain't going to do nothing crazy and nothing exotic and nothing stupid. And then they'll let you. And then you you give shots to one another, your classmates. huh? We get so punctured up sometimes. I tell them, I say, oh, you get one stick, okay? We ain't. Hope for the best. You go sit there and poke me and poke. Oh, I don't know what I can't do this. I can't. We'll go someplace. Uh, don't come over here. You know. <laughs> but the school of the spirit isn't like that. God just leads you to people, and He moves on you with compassion and love. If you don't know how to let God's love flow through you toward another person, you're going to have a hard time doing ministry. That ought to knock a lot of people out of contention. Amen. This is about him moving through you. Amen. Not about you accumulating anointings. They're not trophies. So anyway, Saul goes to the witch in Endor. Why? Because God has shut every door of speaking to Saul. Saul was being removed from being king. If you're removed, if you're fired already, this is like my job telling me I'm fired, giving me the pink slip, and I keep going back to see if they'll let me work. That's what Saul's doing here. Him been fired already. When you fired your boss, don't want to have nothing else to do with you. Same thing here. In First Kings chapter, First Kings is this what I want? Twenty-two. Oh, First Kings chapter twenty-two. So go back a little bit. These are just examples that I found that shows you different reactions to the prophet's ministry. So y'all will know when true prophets come, you ain't all oozy goozy running after them, wanting to get a word from them, unless something's wrong somewhere. One of y'all has flipped out a little bit. What did I say? First Samuel 22? 
Okay. 22 verse... It says in the king in 2210, okay, and the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, set each on his throne, having put on their robes in the void space in the entrance of the gate of Samaria and all the prophets prophesied before them. And Zedekiah, the son of Chanah, made him uh, horns of iron and he said, thus saith the Lord, with these shalt thou push the Syrians until you have consumed them. And all the prophets prophesied, so, so saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the king's hand. And the messenger that was gone to call Micaiah spoke to him, saying, Behold now, the words of the prophets declare good unto the king with one mouth, let the word I pray, thy word I pray thee be like the rest of them. So he says, all these brothers up here and told us these men, this is all good. God's with you. Go, do, prosper. Amen. So here somebody comes to Micaiah and sets him up for joining in with everybody else. Now why would they do that? And it says here, Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that will I speak. Now, that's a true prophet. Don't manipulate me. Don't try to mess with me. I serve a higher authority. I don't know what these brothers are up to this and spoke all this stuff, but I'm not saying yay or nay what I'm going to say, but I'm going to speak what God says. So he came to the king, and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go against Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall we forbear? And he asked, answered him, Go and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. And the king said to him, How many times shall I adjure you that you tell me nothing but that which is true in the name of the Lord? And he said, I saw all Israel scattered upon the hills of sheep that have not a shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let them return every man to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, didn't I tell you? He was going to mess it up for me. Didn't I tell you? He never has anything good to say to me. Huh? Maybe because you all out of order all the time. Maybe, brother, if you get yourself in order, he would have something good to say to you. Amen. So this is is how much pressure there is on prophets to say things people want to hear. Amen. It's, it's almost like uh, fortune telling. And I think that's the way people interpret it, many of them now. They really don't want to hear from God. They just want to hear something good. Amen. Like you, when you read to pick your horoscope up in the daily paper, you're looking for some good. You're not looking for somebody to tell you you better straighten up or do <laughs> you know the old other shoe is going to fall. So this is the pressure that the prophet and the prophets now, you know, there's no pressure now because most of these people don't even know what they're doing. And so they don't read the Bible. They couldn't. Not to come up with some of the stuff they come up with. All right, Second Kings chapter 1. So there's a prophet that spoke the word of the Lord, and when he spoke something otherwise, the king knew he wasn't telling the truth. 
Amen. And I wish people in this day and age were so wise to know what is coming from God's spirit. You look for a witness in your spirit. You don't listen with your emotions. You listen and you ask God to give you a witness if it's him or if it's not him, folks. It's so easy. Amen. All right. And first key, oh, second Kings chapter one. Did I say that? Uh, oh, chapter one. All right. Now this is Elijah, uh, at the end of his ministry. And, uh, he has a word for the king. I guess I'll start in verse one. When Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab and Ahaziah fell down through, that's Ahab's son, fell down through a lattice in his upper chamber that was in Samaria and he was sick. And he sent messengers and said to them, Go inquire of Baalzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover of this disease. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise and go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say to them, Is it not because there is not a god in Israel? that you go to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Now, we are, when you belong to God, you belong to God. You don't get your information, advice, instruction from anybody else but God and his representatives, you know, that he would lead you to, to get understanding of things. So this this king has been found out, amen. God wants him found out for a reason. Other than that, you know, God would just let him go and and do his thing. But God wants to deal with this man. And he wants to either heal him or if he's not going to heal him, go let him know. See, the king is God's servant as well. And see, when when somebody who is a, a king who is serving God thinks that he can get around God and prosper, God has to let him know. So God sovereignly looks down and says, give, you know, send, get his boy a message for me. It says, now therefore, thus saith the Lord, you shall not come down from that bed on which you are gone up, but you shall surely die. Amen. So the bed you're on now, you're never going to rise up from that bed. Amen. And Elijah departed. And when the messengers turned back to him, they said, he said to them, why are you not now turn back and they said to him there came a man up to meet us and said to us go turn again unto the king that sent you and say to him thus saith the lord is it not because there is not a god in israel that you send to inquire of beelzebub god of ekron therefore you shall not come down from the bed in which you are gone up but you shall surely die and he said to them what did he look like? <laughs> what manner of man was he which came up to meet you and told you these words? And they said he was a hairy man and had his, he was girded about with a girdle of leather about his loins. And he said, mm, that's Elijah. <laughs> that's the one guy I didn't want to have nothing to do with this. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. We're 
Pastor Shirley and I were talking one time. She said, yeah, they won't go to you. They'll come to me and see if I can feel you out and see what, you, what I say first. And then, okay, throw me to the wolves. Right. <laughs> he said, that's the one dude I didn't want nobody to run. I want, I'm trying to get around him. That's why I sent you to the devil's prophet. And Elijah said to him, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, oh, in verse eight. And they answered him was a hairy man girt about with a girdle of leather about his loins. And he said, that's Elijah, the Tishbite. Then the king sent unto him a captain of 50 with his 50. And he went up to him and behold, he sat on top of a hill and he spoke to him, thou man of God. The king said, come down. And Elijah answered and said to the captain of 50, if I be a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. And there came down fire from heaven and consumed him and his 50. Again, also, he sent to him another captain of 50 with his 50. And he answered and said to him, O man of God, thus says the king, come down quickly. And Elijah answered and said to him, if I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven. In other words, stupid. I don't work for the king. Now, I help the king when he needs it, but I don't take orders from him. I don't work for him. Now, you calling me a man of God, I'm going to prove to you who I am. Amen. And so he sent again a captain, third captain of 50. The third captain of 50 went up and came and fell on his knees before Elijah. Now, see, this guy ain't stupid. See, if the first one had done that, he would have lived. See, you're approaching a man of God. He belongs to God. You telling him to obey somebody else. So you just need a little lesson. Oopsie, you didn't survive the lesson. Well, then he says, he said, I pray you let, let my life, the third captain of 50 and the third captain went up and came and fell on his knees before Elijah and besought him and said unto him, Oh man of God, I pray you let my life and the life of these 50 your servants be precious in your sight. That is more like it. Behold, they came fire down from heaven and burnt up the two captains of the former fifties with their fifties. Therefore, let my life now be precious in your sight. And the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, go down with him. Don't be afraid of him. And he arose and went down with him to the king. And he said to him, thus saith the Lord, for as much as you have sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron, is it not because there is no God in Israel to inquire of this word? Therefore, you shall not come down off that bed which you are gone up, but you shall surely die. So he died according to the word of the Lord, which Elijah has spoken. Amen. And then Joram reigned in his stead. Now, there is a place where people can live. You see what this guy's error is. He's going to the devil's people to get direction. And he stands in an office that God gave him. So you're not going to get anywhere. With that kind of logic, with that kind of, he's trying to hide from God and see if he can be disobedient to God and live. And he found out you can't do that. Amen. 
there are many, many things that God has given us that we could, we could enjoy them more. We could be blessed more, all of the things more if we would just get more on God's side. You know, be more, be quicker to forgive, be quicker to repent, be quicker to look for ways that you can serve God and help humanity. Just be quick in those things. You know, don't take 15 years to respond to God and put him off like, you know, he's nobody. You can't live like that. You won't live and you won't prosper. And so when when God, when you are serving God, when you belong to God, you have to go to him for everything. I don't care what it is that you need. You go to God for that. And if, if it's something that, that God has promised you or something that's, that's from the desires of your heart, the purity of your heart, God will see to it that you have it. But there's no shortcut to a blessing once you belong to God. You've got to go with Him all the way. Amen. So, um, so anyway, Elijah, that's what I call going out with a bang. Amen. He was able to, Stay true to God, even though he was getting weary and tired in what, in his ministry. And he expressed that when he had to prophesy to Jezebel and, and deal with her and Ahab. You know, people like that will wear you out. Amen. And so, um, so we need to understand that when people go to God, they have, or go to a prophet of God, they have to deal with things on God's terms. Amen. And so he was sending word to the wrong person. God intercepted because he is God's servant. The king is God's servant, just like the prophet is. And so we can't make God tell us things we want to hear. If you want to hear from God, you have to want to hear from God, whatever it is he has to say to you. Amen. So in, uh, so we're going to go into some, some examples of healing. Amen. Um, in first Kings chapter five, we see the story of Naaman the Syrian. This is part of the prophet's reward. Amen. When you receive them. So Naaman is is a person that needs to be healed, but his his healing is going to depend on whether or not he receives the prophet. Amen. Whether he receives the prophet exactly as God is delivering him to him. So in what did we say? Five. Oh, oh, like I said, Second Kings. Who said first Kings? I know somebody. Somebody spread that false rumor. Thank you. All right. Second Kings chapter five. All right. So this is Elisha, right? Should be by now. Okay. All right. So, okay. Um, verse one. And Hiram, king of Tyre, sent his servants to Solomon. For, wait a minute, I'm still in First King. I'm sorry, Second King, Chapter Five. I must have said First Kings, Chapter Five, because there I was in it. Excuse me. Excuse me. All right, Second Kings five, verse one. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable. Because by him the Lord had given deliverance to Syria. 
He was also a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's life. Wife, does she need to leave now, Miss Donna? Can she stay? We, you good? Okay, honey. Thank you. I appreciate it. <clears throat> so it says he was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away a captive out of the land of Israel, a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. Now, this girl was a slave. She could have been bitter. She could have been angry. She could have been a lot of things. But she wasn't raised that way. She was an Israelite. She was a Jew. They were raised to love, to serve, They understood that something was wrong that they did, the reason they got captured. Amen. And generally, when Israel went into captivity, it was because they had walked away from serving God. And so they understood the law. They knew that God would not have them in this position unless they had earned it by their misbehavior. And they knew that that wouldn't last forever and that at some point, they would be released from their captivity. Amen. And so it was just common. People, when you were enslaved, you went and served. You know, you didn't like it, but you served out your time because I'm talking about people who are Israelites, people who are heathens, got to run away and get away the best way they can. But she understood, and so she's patient with this stuff, and she's waiting on Naaman's wife, and she said to her mistress, would God that my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. Amen? Now, this is how people get faith. This is how people um, are stirred up to believe God for things. It's by the testimony of people who know. Amen? And so she's commending the prophet because she is certain that if Naaman could get to him or he could get to Naaman, This man would see to it that Naaman, he would pray for him and he would be healed. Amen. As part of their ministry. And and one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took it with him ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, and ten changes of clothing. This is common. When kings visited other kings, they honored them by bringing gifts worthy of a king. Amen. That's common. And he says, and he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come to you, behold, I have herewith sent Naaman my servant to you that you may recover him of his leprosy. Now, the king of Syria is a heathen. He don't know prophet from king from nobody to nobody. He just, he's a king himself. He goes to the highest person of the highest rank to deal with this. He didn't know that, that the king doesn't have power like the prophet has to heal people. So he's just out there feeling the best way he can, feeling things out. He's sure 
that if he sends this letter to the highest person, something's going to get done somewhere. Amen. And so it says in verse 7, it came to pass when the king of Israel read the letter that he rent his clothes. This man just has a fit. Oh, no. Oh, Lord. You know, one of them kind of things. Crying like a girl up there, and he's a king, right? And he says, he says, am I God? To kill and make alive that this man sends a letter to me to recover a man from his leprosy? Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeks to set me up. See, the king feels like if they try to, if they ask him for something, he can't do it. It's a setup. Amen. He's trying to pick a fight with me. He's just trying to see if he can get me to to stand up there and try to get this man healed and fail at it, and then he can come and kill everybody. You know, he's just got delirious in his mind. Amen. You know how it is we get bad news. You get a news, you get a a, a, a bank statement where it's all gone and you overdrawn. Oh, Lord, tearing your clothes off. and oh, It's that kind of thing. Amen. So he says, and it was so when the Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel was up there getting ready to die, tore his clothes, you know, the next thing is sackcloth and ashes, of course. And he sent to the king saying, why are you tearing your clothes? Let him come now to me. In other words, king, uh, let me tell you how things go around here. Healing people is my job. Being the king and going out to war, that's your job. Amen. So now that we got our job description straightened out, send that man over here where I am. Okay. He said, so, um, he says, uh, he said, let him come now to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Amen. And, and this is what God wanted people to know. They wanted to know that there was somebody who could help. He wanted them to know where to go when they needed things done. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And the king sent, and he, I'm sorry, Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall come again to you and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry. And went away and said, behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of his God and strike his hand. Oh, you know, he he telling this man how to do his. What's up with that? But I'm telling you, that's how many people miss their healing. That's how many people miss their blessing because they don't like God's ways. They want his benefits, they want his works, they want what he could do, but they don't want God's ways. We already have it in our mind. Our imaginations are real fertile when it comes to, you know, we just already plotted it out in the mind. He going to do this and he going to do that and he going to do that. And I'm, you know, like people when you, when they have healing meetings, they, they want to be healed but they don't want to you to work with them so that anointing can heal them 
you know, so many times people have to go away without receiving at the altar and just hope that God will show up at some point if they continue in the word. And he will. But many of these things can be done. There's, it's so much easier to do them while you're under the anointing. Because that's the power that's going to get you well. Many times I'll tell people, I say, well, come on, walk with me and we'll get rid of this cane. And they'll start looking around at the people in the audience. See, that's what Naaman's doing. Looking around to see who's looking. You know, the people that get the, the best, the quickest, are the ones that are too weak to fight you sometimes. That little girl of, um, I'm trying to think. She had terminal cancer. Remember she came, we, we had a lounge chair for her to sit in. Mm-hmm. She was so weak, she kept wanting to leave because she was in pain and didn't know if she could stay the whole, whole meeting. But the Lord just told me to go and hug her. And, and wrap my, you know, mantle around her. And, and she started getting better. But she was too weak to fight me. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes you get the best results from people who are just too weak. The lady that we were speaking about that was at the healing school we had, what was in the Detroit? We had that one. She had cancer. She came in a wheelchair. And she was too weak to just resist anything. And when I told her, I said, we're going to get rid of this wheelchair today. And she just looked at me, and then, but she got up and she started to walk. And when we left, she was pushing the wheelchair to the bus that she got out of, amen, to get there. And so sometimes it's when people don't have the pride left to fight it. They just don't don't have anything of their will left to push against you. Amen. That they'll receive the best. If we could learn how to receive from God, man, we'd be healthy. We'd be wealthy. We'd be everything that he wants us to be. So don't be one of these people that gets it made up in your mind already how God's going to do something. That doesn't matter. You just want the results. Amen. So Naaman's angry. He's accustomed to people doing what he tells them to do. And so he gets there and, and he well, I thought for sure he was going to do this. I thought for sure he was going to treat me like I'm somebody special. Everybody else treats me special, even though I'm a leper. You understand what I'm saying? Why? Because he had a good reputation. He had wealth, apparently. He had position with the king because the king was one that referred him so that he could get his healing. And he says, are not Abana and Farfar rivers in Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And at that point, I'd have pimped on out the side doors. (laughs) See you later, brother. You know, you don't like to try to minister to, to angry people. You know? And his servants came near and spoke to him. Now, this is the cool part of it. Elisha is a very smart man. You know, you can almost anticipate people's reactions before, you know, 
they act out on you. Elisha pretty much knew this was going to be this man's response. Because what he said was, there are rivers where I live that are in better condition. See, I want to call the shots on my healing. I don't want to go down this Jordan River. It overflows its banks. It's muddy a lot of the times. It's better water that I can wash in. See, people who are in the flesh and in pride and all of that want a pretty healing. You got me? Healings ain't pretty all the time. Jesus proved that in his ministry. When he would spit on the ground and make, I mean, it wasn't like you make, you spit enough to make clay. It ain't like a little, you know, mistake of just like that. It's a couple of times, at least hock a couple of loogies, amen, and make some real mud. So he puts enough spit there to make enough, you know. Come on, y'all. Now, why does God do that? This is this is the thing I'm always interested in. Why does God do things like that? Because he wants to take you out of yourself. He has to do something to break through your pride, break through your arrogance, break through your preconceived idea, break through your shame at having to ask to be prayed for. There's all kind of stuff people come up you know, when people come up to the altar, see, y'all are used to it. You understand what I'm saying? But people come up to the altar in all kinds of different frames of mind. Some of them can be humble while they're sitting there and, and then jump up and go to the altar while they're waiting on you to pray for them. The devil gets a hold of their thinking. And he's already twisted their minds to want to do something else before they're even prayed for. So sometimes there's a lot to try and fight through to try to get the anointing to do the work God wants it to do in people. Amen. So Elisha probably in, in the way that he handles this man, he sends a servant out first to break the ice, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's good when, when people can understand that, that that's their job. You know, people who are serving, it's like this. The servant is, is learning. He's not the final authority here. The man of God who's training him is. So servants kind of just take it like, well, hey, it ain't my word. I'm going to go, let me go on out here and do, <laughs> ain't no skin off my, you know what I'm saying? I'm just, I'm just, hey, you don't like it? Don't argue me. Talk to him. It ain't my word. He told me to say it. Amen. <laughs> a lot of times God would tell me to, you know, if I had to talk to somebody, you know, that's fine. But like sometimes people who, who work here, Miss Nola, Pastor Shirley, anybody, you know, and, and they'll say, well, so and so wants, wants us. Well, I said, well, tell them. Yada, 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 yada. And sometimes they look at me like, I better not tell them. I said, you tell them just like I told you to tell them. They're right, Miss Enola. <laughs> and it works. <laughs> Amen. But see, and people have to learn how to deliver the word of the Lord. 
You know, if you're going to work with a prophet and be some good to them, you got to help them out. Amen. And if God says, send it this way, the prophet is stuck too. He got to do it that way or it's not going to work for Naaman. We want to get him healed. So we all got to obey God around here. You got me? Many times when we have people at the altar, and I know it's a lot of people standing there. I got to decide who I can get to finish what God started in that individual and pass that off to them. And I can go to another person to work with. Amen. And, and many times it does work. Amen. It really, really does. And so this is how you get trained. You're here to learn. Amen. This is how it happens. So you, you gotta, gotta go along with these things. But, but Elisha had an inkling that he had to kind of break Naaman down a little bit. You got me? Because if Elisha had told Naaman what this servant told him, and Naaman had this same reaction, guess what would have happened? Huh? He'd have kept his leprosy. See, this is the prophet's reward we're talking about. You have to receive them. You can't reject them and call the shots and think you're going to get the reward. It's you got to receive him as a prophet. Because that's what he is. Amen. And so you have to receive him as a servant of God who is sent there to help you. So this is a mercy move on God's part to tell the prophet to, to this man ain't going to want to do what you say do. So I'm not going to send you out and let him reject you as my servant, the final authority in this matter. I'll let him get acclimated to the fact that he ain't God's not changing his mind about how he's going to do this amen which sometimes you got to admit God told me to read my word uh, you know at least 15 minutes a day to feed my spirit healing words so that I can get healed all the way so you got to do that in order to get it God's not going to change he knows what it takes it's not like God is giving you some weird assignment and he just sitting here thinking stuff up he knows what it's going to take to do the job that you need to have done. He wants you well. So he's going to, the name and storms off. He's angry. Verse 11 and went away and said, he said, I thought he was going to do this. I thought he was going to do that. I, I'm an important man. I thought he was going to respect me and, and do all this stuff. He did none of that. And he, in verse 13, his servants came near him and spoke to him. And said, this is, this is entreaty. This is, this, when the Bible talks about in the, in, in the, in the epistles where it says, rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. This is how you speak to people. If you're a young person, uh, in, in a church, this is how you speak to people who are older than you. You entreat them. You don't try to rebuke them and boss them around and tell them what to do. You you wrong. You you entreat them. Amen. You talk, speak kindly to them, respecting their age, their wisdom, and who they are. At least leave their dignity intact so that they can, can receive from you. And so he didn't want to receive the word of the prophet's servant, but his own servant said to him, if the prophet had told you to do something great, wouldn't you have done it? He says, how much rather than when he says, wash and be clean? He says, 
In other words, don't be upset about what you're instructed to do. Anything that he tells you to do, do it. Don't be picky about what's, why are you nitpicking about this one thing? Amen. And so he says, it, then he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again to him like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him and said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now, therefore, I pray you, take a blessing of your servant. Now, the whole issue is for people to understand who God is. Understand, you know, there are people who are packed into religious churches. Some of them are saved, some of them are not, and they don't know God. They don't know the works of God. They don't know that God will heal them and will heal them through a servant who he anoints to do that. They have no inkling. They think church is just to come and jump and shout and whisper about each other and cause trouble and, you know, all that stuff that people get into when they're in the flesh. That's what they think church is about. They have no, no, no inkling that church is where, like people say stuff, well, I was too sick to come to church. And they accept it where there's nothing but religion. But here, it's like, you better press your way because that's where your healing is. You understand what I'm saying? Religion is a whole different world from where God's, God's spirit dwells and God's spirit rules and reigns. I'm just thankful, you know, that I didn't get stuck in religion. I got, got, you know, uh, waylaid by God. I got captured apprehended by God. Amen. It's a good thing. Amen. It's an excellent thing. So, so Naaman receives his healing. Amen. And, and he wants to bless the man of God. He says, um, he says, I know there's a God, no God in all the earth, but in Israel. So he wants to, to be a convert. This is very important to the story because sometimes we downplay things. Like, why does God heal? Well, he wants people well and he's a good God. And he, and when people come asking, he wants to do. But the other part of it is to reveal himself as he really is. See, he doesn't want people just going to church and being sick forever. He wants people to go to church and get healed. And so that's why he he does the whole business. He takes care of people, spirit, soul, mind, and body. As he wants to reveal himself as healer to people so that they can know that his power is real and that he is real and that he's alive. You know, there are some people that don't even think twice that to know that God is alive. He hears my prayers. He wants to come to my rescue. He wants to do all of these things. You learn that as you experience life, life with God and read your word and all of those things. But God demonstrates his power because he wants people to know exactly who he is, everything about him, holding nothing back. And so then Naaman comes to realization 
oh, I've been serving this other God and he ain't real. This He can't do nothing for me. He can't do this. I've been sick all this time serving this God and he hasn't done anything for me. He might have even made offerings and sacrifices to his God trying to get healed and it never happened. And so he goes now to the man of God and he declares to him, I know that there's no other God alive in this earth but your God. He has proven himself to me and that's worth everything. See, that'll change your life forever. The fact that you know God is alive and you know he, he, he is the only healer. Jesus is the only healer. You can't get healed. People say, well, the devil bless you. No, I don't want, I, he blessed me for 30 years of my life before I knew God. I don't want nothing from him. He don't have no blessings. Huh? He takes more than he gives. You get hung up in that kind of nonsense. Uh-uh, that is not true at all. He's a deceiver. Amen? If he gives you something, it's got a string on the end of it. He will surely leave your possession. Amen. And take some more stuff with it. Me either, Miss Jan. <laughs> but this is what Elisha's answer was to him. See, it's so important to listen to God and obey him all the way down the line. So, you know, don't get excited about an offering. Don't get excited about somebody want to give you money. You know, you prayed for them. They want to bless. Don't get excited about that stuff. Amen. Let God always be your source. If it's going to come through somebody you help, then, then, you know, just get a, a confirmation from God. It's okay to receive it. But don't think it's an automatic thing. He says, but in verse 16, he said, but as a, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive a nothing. And he urged him, you know, Naaman tried to push it on him and say, you know, no, take it, take, take it, take it, take it. But he refused. And Naaman said, shall there not then, I pray you, be given to your servant two mules burden of earth for thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifice to other gods, but unto the Lord. In this thing, Will the Lord pardon your servant? He's referring to, Naaman's referring to himself as Elisha's servant now. That when my master goes into the house of Rimon to worship there, and he leans on my hand, and I bow myself in the house of Rimon, when I bow down myself in the house of Rimon, the Lord pardon thy servant this thing. And he said, yeah, go in peace and be departed. And so he departed from him a little way. Now, what, what, Naaman has done has become converted and he's changing his life and he realizes that some of the things he's been doing for his master are wrong and see he's not strong enough to refuse his master because that ain't smart he's probably not allowed to but he's smart enough to understand I've been messing around in, in the world and doing wrong things and God healed me in spite of all my wrongdoing. So he's a merciful God. See, when God wants to reveal himself to people, he reveals his character. He not only that he will heal you and has healed you, he re, in, revol, re, reveals the kind of God he is. 
And Naaman understands that he's a forgiving God, but he's also a holy God. So he petitions Elisha. He said, can you ask your God? There's something that I have to do that I know is not pleasing to the God of Israel. He said, I have to take my master into his house of worship. I used to worship there, but I ain't worshiping that God no more. I'm worshiping your God. So would you ask your God to forgive me if I have to go in there with my master? And all? He wants forgiveness. He wants Elisha to know that God has convinced me that he's real. And in order to prove that to God, I'm going to live my life for this God. I'm not going to live for the other God anymore. But I might have to cross the line a little bit here and there just to keep my position. Can your God forgive me? Huh? See, many times we want to go in and tell everybody, I can't do this no more. I can't do that no more. Can't... You understand what I'm saying? Don't ever announce yourself. Huh? Let God begin to show you different things. Amen. I remember when I was saved and and my late husband wasn't, he would be very nervous about certain things that he liked doing. Amen. And I would say, I say, oh, yeah, I think we can do that. I say, it's okay. Don't worry about it. You know, God's got me. And then there were some things that we just didn't do. I would ask God, you know, and and he respected that. And it got to the point where there were some things that after after he had confessed Christ too, I would ask him. I said, I said, I don't know about this. He said, yeah. He said, well, but I would let him decide. See what I'm saying? When they know God too, he was always the head of our household. But he respected that I walked a different life than he did. Amen. And he didn't want to violate that. He, I guess he said, nah, I ain't going to do that because I'm going to mess up show enough if I start making this woman do stuff God don't like. He wasn't stupid. Huh? <laughs> but, but we worked it out. Amen? You work things out. You don't go announcing to people you don't do this no more. Oh, no. I'm a church girl now. Huh? They catch you cussing and all that. Say, uh-huh, church girl, right? Right. So, I mean, you know, use some wisdom. God will give you wisdom for how to do these things. So Naaman then receives his healing. He makes a commitment to God. And he lets the prophet know that I I know these things are wrong. And I want to please your God. So could I could I be covered in that stuff? So so Naaman goes away and and after a while, the servant of of Elisha's Gehazi catches up to Naaman, and we all know the story. He lies to Naaman, tells him that, oh yeah, you know the man of God said he didn't want nothing from you, but he he on second thought, see, you know, we didn't have the we got some new people that just came up here and you know, we didn't, it's like God didn't know they were going to show up, right? See, this is a mistake you make when you're learning and you're trying to step out and be somebody that knows. Huh? You'll see that when people drop words on you or want to prophesy to you. Huh? And you'll, you'll get a, uh, um, a, um, uh, a irritation in your spirit. 
you know, and you said, now these people ain't no more heard from God than, you know, than my parakeet. The parakeets here pretty good. They know to tweet and leave every, and leave prophesying alone. So anyway, so Gehazi has got stars in his eyes. He's covetous. See, this becomes a test for him. He carried the word of the Lord to Naaman, and he was obedient there. But see, now he's being tested into whether or not his heart is pure, whether or not he's going to stick with God. Amen. And he's flunking badly. And it's not that Elisha isn't aware of these things. Amen. God will show you things about people just so you understand where their their strengths are, where their weaknesses are, where their shortcomings are, and all that kind of stuff. And trust God to deal with those things. Amen. You know, sometimes God might have you speak to somebody or, you know, put some correction into them so that they can get on the right road and stay on the right road. Amen. But it's tempting for everybody. Amen. You just, you just have to know how far to go. So he runs after Naaman and tells him, Oh, you know what? There's some, these, these brothers just came up here and you know, they don't have much. I don't know why I don't have much. You know, they serving God just like I am, but you know, they need some stuff. And you got it. Amen. <laughs> he says in verse 22, my master sent me saying, <laughs> he should know better than that. Even now there come to me from Mount Ephraim, two young men of the sons of the prophets. They legit give them, I pray thee, and he puts his shopping list out there. And Naaman said, be content, take that. And urged him and bound two talents of silver and two bags and two changes of clothing and, you know, some Louis Vuittons. And, you know, and put got some Nikes down there for the brothers. And, huh? He didn't go cheap. He went big. And laid them on two of his servants, and they took them before him. And when he came to the tower, he took them from their hand and bestowed them in the house and let the men go, and they departed. So he's he's not at Elisha's place. He goes to his own place, hides the stuff. Huh? So... But he went in and stood before his master, and Elisha said to him, Where are you coming from, Gehazi? And he said, I ain't go anywhere. Huh? You know how lies are. The devil just passes them out like candy. Once you get one, he'll give you another to cover it, one to cover it, and they all sound, the last one, the first one sounds stupid, and everyone after that sounds just as crazy. Ain't nobody believing him. And he said, and Elisha said, didn't my heart go with you when you left? Didn't my spirit go with you? Huh? And he said, he said, when the man of God turned again from his chariot to meet you, is it a time? Is it time? Is it time to receive money and garments? 
olive yards, vineyards, sheep, oxen, men servants, maid servants. So prophets know who to accept from and who to not accept from. They know how to get, they, and they listen to God to find out. See, God told Elisha not to take anything from this man. You got me? When God tells you no, it's no. Amen? You you know, it's like I see people giving prophecies and putting a cash app up there. Huh? Well, if you want your money to be messed up, show enough, you start giving out words that come. You selling words from God to people. Huh? So it's not time to take money all the time. I know you need money and you think your gift is making room for you, but it ain't for sale. You didn't buy it. Huh? It came to you free from God. When it's time to take, God will tell you, go ahead and receive it. But it wasn't time to do that. It says, the leprosy, therefore, of Naaman shall cleave to you and to your seed forever. And he went out from his presence, a leper as white as snow. Now, what what Gehazi didn't know is that leprosy is certain. The reason they separated lepers from people is because it's highly contagious. And really, in in Israel, when somebody was diagnosed with leprosy, they would have to burn all the sheets they slept on, burn their clothing. They couldn't even wash them and, and get another use out of them. Everything was burned. Just like, you know, your best sanitary instructions come out of the Bible. Yeah, I mean, them priests knew what was contagious, what wasn't. They were the doctor as well. They could look at your leprosy and see how advanced it was to see if it was new, if it was clearing up. They could see all of that stuff. But see, the average person don't have eyes to see that. It's just like if you went to a medical doctor. They can interpret your lab results and tell you what's going on. But not everybody has the skill and knowledge that they did it by word of knowledge. It came from God for standing in that office. They were there to take care of the people. Same thing with the prophet. He was there to take care of the people. Now, Naaman prospered. Because he received Elisha. It took some work. And God allows it to be worked into you. You know, first you're insulted and you reject everybody. You go off mad and all that kind of stuff. And this is why Elisha sent the servant. Because it was not, the servant was, was the helper of the prophet. He didn't stand in the office of the prophet. Once you say no to that word that comes from the office, it's over. You got me? And so you just got to hope for God's mercy. Once you understand your mistake, you know, you might hope for God's mercy and he'll tell you, it's okay, I'll give you another chance. But see, that's why it was so, um, it was, it was so important for people to receive prophets. You'll see people that like the Shunammite woman. This this uh, prophet walked past her house and she would make him stop and give him water and something to eat and then she built him an apartment to stay there because she understood something good was going to happen in her life if she blessed the man of God. 
And see, we have no inkling of how those things work many times in the body of Christ because all we see is people. We either like them or we don't like them. They either mean or they're nice. They either do stuff for us or they don't. You know, we just put people in so many boxes that have nothing to do with the spirit of God and his kingdom and how it operates. You know, there are people that come to our conferences and they know more ministers than anything, but they say they are. We have to honor that. I'm going to do stand up there and say, you ain't no minister. Where's your business card? Where's your this? Where's your... You don't interrogate people. It ain't worth it. All you got is a seat in the front row, maybe. Oftentimes a second row. How much is that worth? You argue and strive over that? But it's amazing how many people will do it. But you honor people. They say they're called. It's like we meet a lot of great people in seed form. You know what I'm saying? A seed ain't big. And it don't look too appetizing. But that person has a call that God has placed on them. And we're not bigger than God. Amen. You don't tell people who they are. You let God tell them and, and hopefully they will find out the truth. You understand? Sometimes people have not been anointed yet, but they're still called. Huh? And really prophets who are worth they salt can detect when they're around their own kind. If you can't tell a fivefold from, <laughs> you know what, if you are one, you know, if you are, you, you, have an understanding of how to detect that especially if you're a prophet you should be able to line everybody up by order of gift and calling you you have the you have the revelation on the inside of you to be able to understand those things so it's it's no mystery to god about these things but but naaman naaman's leprosy came on gehazi because he put himself in a place of covetousness and lying, and which disqualifies him. You understand what I'm saying? You you have to qualify before God for these things. Amen. It, it's best to stay honest. It's best to stay in your lane, as they say. You know, don't try to be too big or too anything. Just be where God has called you to be, and and it will be a blessing. But the prophet's reward was Naaman's. You know, because even though it took a little maneuvering, sometimes people have to be convinced to do the right thing. Amen. God gives you more than one chance. Amen. But but after the second chance, wise up. You understand what I'm saying? It's just do what God tells you to do so that you can receive what you got. So uh, if anybody needs prayer, I want you to come on up. But I'm also going to release the the. um uh, master's touch to everybody today, but I will pray for some people at the altar. We had some.